Hi, this is Gary Washburn, pastor of Grace Tabernacle. Thank you for tuning to our podcast today. Our hope is that this message inspires you and builds your faith. For more information about Grace Tabernacle and our ministries, please go to gracetab.org and like us on Facebook. Now, may the message feed your soul. Praise the Lord. I don't know if I have power on this. Hey, there we go. Amen. Thank you. It's all about flipping that switch. (laughs) You can't release the power until you turn on the switch, right? And if you don't know that you're supposed to turn on the switch, then guess what? You're powerless. But this uh, God has, has flipped on the switch, I believe, today. And I know that um, God has great plans for your life. And I am delighted to be a part of just this next, I don't know, 45 minutes or so with you. What a, a blessing it is to be with you. Um, I, I have one of the things that I realized that wasn't in the bio is that I'm a married man. I'm a happily married man, at least I'm happy. <laughs> I've been happy for 23 years. You have to talk to my wife and see if she's happy. I'm kidding, she's happy. We have three boys and um, we have one that's a youth pastor, 20 years old, just got married. We have another uh, young man, named, his uh, name is Asher. He works at Publix, so it's his pleasure to serve you. There in Valdosta, if you ever drive by, he's an awesome young man. Um, and he is 16, and so you can pray in the spirit for me as we release him to get a vehicle here pretty soon. Oh, Jesus. Oh, you, y'all been through it, right? So give me some faith. <laughs> give me some faith. Um, and then I also have another young man by the name of Seth. He is 14, and he is a uh, passionate about sports. He plays basketball. He broke his, his uh, thumb and also the ligament, and we just thought, it was just a minor tear because he's tough like his daddy did I just say that I'm playing <laughs> but he um, we are a sports family and the Lord blessed me when I married uh, the the cheerleader my, my wife years ago uh, went to our arch rival uh, school um, called Lowndes High School. I went to Valdosta. I never lost but one game when I was in high school in Lowndes for three years, and we won one national championship and a couple state championships. And so, and I was a defensive lineman, and I just loved it. My dad played years ago, and he never lost a game in the three years that he played. But anyhow, um, my wife was on the opposing side. She was like, you know, in elementary school when I was in high school, I'm kidding. She was not far away, kind of like four and a half years, but to my sons, when we tell them, she was, she was in eighth grade when you were in, a senior in high school, they're like, dad, that's bad. I'm like, it's different once you get older. Trust me, just wait. <laughs> Anyhow, but I didn't actually start dating her until I was out of Bible school at the age of 24, um, but uh, she, was the, she was actually a cheerleader and she was telling all the other cheerleaders actually how to, uh, w- what's going on in the game. They didn't know, but she always said, well, what's happened, that's offense, that's defense. So anyhow, she's, always, and she's been a sports fan and not uh, probably about two weeks ago, it was in my heart, 
I was like, man, I want to go to the SEC championship. Lord, I just, I didn't like get down in deep travail and, and pray and Lord Jesus, you know, I, I didn't like weep or lose sleep over it, but I prayed and I was like, Lord, I just believe you to provide for us a ticket to go to the SEC championship to see Alabama play Georgia. And, um, and you know, about three days ago, he gave me ground, like ground level tickets um, to go to this game for me and my wife. Come on, Jesus. You know, we don't make a lot of money. I'm in ministry. I have a ministry called LifeBridge Missions. Um, but we've chosen to give our life to the ministry. And, you know, the Lord knows the desires of our heart. And um, maybe the Lord will bring a, a win to Georgia. Sorry, brother. But anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, it's going to be a good one. I can promise you that. But um, I, um, just a little bit about me, besides what I just told you, is that um, my wife calls me a fluid talker. And so um, that means that I could talk for the next two years and you still would probably, I would be fluidly talking. I'm just, but today I'm not going to be as fluid as I, as I would like to be. But I do uh, want to just tell you a little bit about who I am. You know, I surrendered my life to Christ at 17 years old. I come from, uh, my dad began to be a very wealthy man uh, and, and was very successful. Um, but I found myself depressed, suicidal, and I hated myself. We would fly to different places because my dad was a pilot and a contractor. And so we would fly to all these Caribbean islands and, and all this stuff. And it was, it was incredible. And we, we had a farm, you know, 100 plus acres, and it actually had a, a landing strip on it, as well as a hangar. Um, and I was just extremely unaware of the reality of what I was going through at the time. But the enemy sought at a young age in my life to kill me. I wanted to, I wanted to take my own life a few times. And I was depressed, and I, I truly hated myself. But I'm here, and, and I had everything, but yet I had nothing. But when I was 17, and I encountered the love of Jesus, everything changed. God began to repair my relationship with my father. Forgiveness came in my life as I made a choice. My dad doesn't have that money. We don't have an inheritance for the most part at all anymore but I'm the most happiest and fulfilled person that I ever could be. And I have been given the joy of the Lord. He has snatched off that depression, that self-hatred. And I actually love myself most days. <laughs> but I can tell you that he's changed my life. And it was when I was younger, I was called into the ministry at about 19, about 20, 19 years old, I believe it was. And I went into the ministry, and from there, things began to change in my life as I began to get a foundation in my life. And as I ended up going to Bible school, graduating from Bible school, the Lord led me to be a part of a, a, a church. I was assistant pastor, youth pastor, children's pastor, outreach pastor for several years in Lake City, Florida, and loved, actually, I think my friend Chris Jones, which pastors that church, will be coming in the next couple weeks. 
Um, he was a dear friend. That's when I met him. Eddie Taylor, that's where I met Eddie Taylor. He's the one that uh, wanted, mentioned about me coming, coming here. And I felt the leadership of the spirit. And so I said, yes, even though I had to, you know, anyhow, it's a long story. But, um, but you know, it's been an incredible journey and I've been able to spend about half of my time, a little bit less than half of my time in, in local church work. And then the other part of my ministry life has been on the mission field. Me and my wife spent three years on the mission field in Guatemala, also a, a, about a year and a half or so uh, right before we left to go to Guatemala to the mission field right across the street. We were at a nice place in, uh, in the country and the Lord spoke to us with this house that we had built and said, I want you to move to, to Valdosta, to the inner city. Um, and we ministered there in this lower income area, lived there with three of our boys. And that was preparation ground for us to go uh, to, to Guatemala, little did we know. We sold our house, sold everything. We don't have, uh, we didn't have much stuff coming back or going to. And really we found out something that we don't need stuff, we need him. And in the, in the process, the Lord has brought us back from Guatemala and I've been serving and uh, started a ministry called LifeBridge Missions, lifebridgemissions.org. And in the foyer there, there's a QR code. It'll tell you about the ministry and different ways. If you'd like to give, if you'd like to, you know, find out things, get news from us, pray for us. We definitely pray. Um, so that started in 2017 and I've been able to, by the grace of God, take ministry friends with me across the world, Eddie Taylor being one, and seeing God pour out his spirit in regions that are unknown where a lot of people don't have any connection with, with other leaders that are pushing them and helping to bring uh, training and equipping and inspire them and even finding people in hidden areas. Something I found out about people is that they may be hidden from the sight of man, but they're not hidden from the sight of God. And we're finding these indigenous, these, these leaders in this area that are separated and, and away from uh, being able to be encouraged. And in the process of that, seeing God breathe on them in the midst of many of them wanting to give up ministry and God breathing fresh air of the spirit upon this life, inspire them and mobilizing them and sending them back to reach their harvest is, 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 is an amazing thing. Because I believe that when you reach a leader and you equip a leader, it doesn't just impact them, it impacts their family, it impacts their church, it impacts, it, it, it impacts their community, nation, and I believe that ultimately their world changes and shifts when leaders are encouraged. And there's so many leaders even in the states that are ready to quit. I'm very grateful for your pastor here, Pastor Gary, and that, that, that has served faithfully. And I encourage you to pray for them. It's easy to be discouraged and it's easy for them to get the complex of them thinking that they're the Messiah and you thinking that they're the Messiah too, here to solve all your problems. They're not here to solve your problems. They're here to empower you and equip you to do the work of the ministry. And so anyhow, that's uh, my heart. And I work locally in our community with a network that I started several years ago to help bridge the gap and bring unity in our community across racial and denominational lines so that we can uh, unify the body of Christ and help advance the kingdom. We've seen great, great results and great things have happened, not because of me, but because of the people I work with. 
And the people I work with are my friends. And I have friends in other nations, particularly in Africa and Asia. We work in an area of Africa in Uganda and Kenya that's a very remote area. We just started um, working even more remotely kind of in an area that's really hidden on the portal of some unreached people groups or least reached. Very little do they know about Christ. And so we're training and equipping people in this hub called Bokowo Uganda to be able to advance the gospel in this region. And we had just recently, I came back from there, we had about 146 churches that came together in a 215 mile radius and literally people walked three and four hours to get there. And that, the total amount of churches in that region is like 151. And so this, I worked with networks and individuals, they brought them together and the spirit of unity was there across these denominational lines and Jesus and his blood just brought his spirit. And as a result of this and the partner I work with, Adam Sabila, that um, this is his tribal area. And I could tell you some stories, but we have mixed company of what they do when they become a man. But anyhow, maybe later when we sit, well, I could tell you, but I don't think it's an appropriate setting, but it's definitely a wild uh, area. But I, I can tell you this, that as we begin to work, God has birthed a desire for us because it's like social media to reach with the radio is like their, their social media and some of these unreached area. And this year we'll be able to have the potential of reaching around 11 million people through radio on two different stations in Uganda and Kenya. And it's an incredible opportunity. And we're about to birth that. And there's information back there that's about to start in January. I'll be there in January. Um, and then we'll be uh, also do ministry a lot in the Philippines where um, we've just seen an incredible move of the Spirit of God that's taking place there. And we just partner with Christian leader, leaders and pastors in areas to empower them to reach their people. And it's great to come and go, <laughs> even though, because they don't become dependent upon you. I, I, I resource kingdom leaders in, in that regard. And so it's just an incredible opportunity that um, Eddie and different pastors and different churches are a part of. And if you'd like to be a part of it, we'd love for you to come on board in whatever way the Lord leads you to and the information is back there. But all that to say this, that Jesus is alive. Amen. That his kingdom is advancing. And I wanna share this with you and I just was reminded of this word. I feel like this is a season of acceleration. I, I believe we're moving into a season of acceleration, not just in your world, but in the kingdom world. And what it looks like is a bunch of conflict. It looks like a bunch of problems, but it's, it's a disguised opportunity for the church to rise up. And I believe that in the season we're living, there's gonna be such, a, such an acceleration of the gospel that, that people are gonna be coming to Jesus if we would learn not to look to the problems, but look to the promise and look to the promise-er, if that be a, a word. <laughs> we wanna look to him because he's the one that brings it. And I wanna encourage you, be praying into that in these upcoming season about a, a season of acceleration because he wants to advance his gospel and do whatever it takes wherever you go at any time. Can I get a yes? 
Mm. Anyhow, turn to Luke 7. Luke 7. Luke 7. I want to share something on my heart with you today that has been kind of just a life of my, my, my heart and my life. And the only way I know how to say it is um, years ago I was in Bible school and I remember when, I remember when we were at this healing meeting and people were getting healed with particular stuff with their eyes and the evangelist came forward and he said, you know, if there's people and people getting healed, their eyesight was, uh, you know, coming online, so to speak, and they were beginning to see and I was like, man, and I at that time, I mean, I was like blind as a bat. You know what I'm saying? If I didn't have my contacts in, I couldn't even see you or couldn't even see, I mean, literally like maybe eight feet in front of me was still blurry. And um, I believed the Lord and I took off my glasses. Man, I drove home afterwards and I realized for a few minutes, I might want to put my glasses back on because <laughs> I could see nothing in front of me. Nothing changed. Three years later, Somebody paid for my LASIK surgery, and to this day, I see 2020. Now, you say, well, that's not a miracle. Well, to me, it is, because I prayed and believed God for sight, and God gave me sight. And so now, you know, when you go to these, these, these third world countries, I mean, it's just, contacts will be a nightmare, I mean, we lived in Guatemala where it's dry for six months and you'd be like, you know, just all, but, but the Lord restored my sight. And I could tell you there's a difference between being able, not being able to see, and you know what I'm talking about. Take off your glasses right now if you don't believe me. And then, and then to be able to see. And see, the key to me is that we see what Jesus sees. We see through rose-colored glasses, through the blood of Jesus. And today I wanna to talk to you about seeing like Jesus sees, so you can do like Jesus does. Because when you see what Jesus sees, you get your sight back, it causes you to be able to see the way he wants you to see. Amen? Luke 7, 11, 7, 11, come on. Through 17, I want to read this to you. Soon afterwards, he went to a town called Maine, and a great crowd went with him. This is talking about Jesus. And he drew near to the gate of the town, to, a gate to his town. This is the, um, my translation is the um, ESV. So if it's a little different, I'm sorry. He moved to the gate of the town. Behold, a man who had died was carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and considered and considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, I want you to underline that, if you don't mind. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, don't weep. Then he came up to the coffin and he, and, and to the pallbearer, and then the pallbearer stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak and Jesus gave him to his mother. 
Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole, uh, through the whole of Judah and all surrounding country. Wow. Something happened when Jesus saw the woman. In order to see people, we have to be with people. And Jesus saw her. He saw her. And when he saw her, his heart was moved with compassion and, com and compassion resulted in action of his heart being released for her, for his will being released for her. Imagine, she's a widow woman. And people, I'm sure she had a label on her life of a widow woman because we can see. And maybe you have potentially labels on your life, which we'll talk about in a minute, that are widowed or divorced or sick or poor or rich or whatever it might be, depressed, bipolar. I don't know the label that you might have on your life, but I can tell you right now that Jesus sees you. He absolutely sees every one of you. You're not hidden from his sight. And this woman, which I'm sure thought maybe nobody cared, this widow woman and her only son, she's widowed and her only son, which was a man, died. Could you imagine? She already feels isolated, now she feels separated. Her only son, but Jesus, the Bible says, he saw her. And when he saw her, he was moved on the inside to be a solution to the problem. He saw her, he moved toward her, and he commanded her son to get up out of the grave. And he got up, he got up, amen? He got up and he started talking. <laughs> I mean, I, I lived in Guatemala and so I, I'm, I don't know this to be certain. I need to do a little research on it. But I'm pretty certain they didn't have open, they didn't have like the casket that was, you know, closed because the Bible says he sat up. It didn't say he pushed open the door and sat up. He says he, 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 he started talking. Now that would be pretty, pretty amazing and scary. And he stop, puts his hands on the coffin and the pallbearers stop and he commands them. I mean, could you imagine the impact in their life? And the impact didn't only just impact that woman, it impacted those that were present, a large crowd, the Bible said there, and it impacted that whole region. And you can read right there in that last verse, it says through, it, it, the report about him spread through the whole of Judah and all the surrounding country. See, when we see, it impacts the people around us. It doesn't just impact the one. It doesn't just pack, impact that one. It is a, 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 an effect that reaches beyond what we think, amen? In Luke 10, I'm sure you're familiar with this story. In Luke 10, verses 31, around about that area, um, there's a story about this man that got beat up, you remember? He, he was left for dead. And three people passed by him Three people passed by him. And if you look in this scripture right here, 
There was a difference between the three men, three men that passed by. And you can see that in the midst of this story that in verse 31, the priest came down, going down that road, the same road where he's not, I mean, he's, he's unconscious basically, just in a state of death, almost about to just, to die. However, the priest, the pastor, your pastor passes by him and acts like he doesn't see. I'm just giving you your imagination. I mean, you'd be like, what are you, my pa your pastor would stop. <laughs> but this pastor, this, this, this priest left, he, he, he went by and the Bible says he actually saw him and he passed on the other side. He deliberately moved to the other side. And then we can also see in that scripture that another man, the Levite, came down to the place and saw him and passed by to the other side as well. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came down to where he was and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on the oil and the wine, verse 34. Then he set him on his own, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an end and took care of him. And he continued to do so and did whatever it took to get him back to a healed state. Because three people saw the same thing but one person saw what Jesus saw they had sight to see this wasn't about them and them getting on to to do whatever they they saw the person and when they saw the person they saw the heart of God and it releases compassion that brings action and that's exactly what it did and you can see in Luke 13 this happens in another case in 11, uh, Luke 13, verses 10 through 13, it says this, on the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching, in our, it was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he had compassion on her and he moved forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your, your infirmity. Then he put his hand on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Jesus saw something. You remember the story in Matthew 9 when Jesus went about doing good and 35 around about there, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for the Lord was with him. And you remember as he's doing this, his heart, he sees the crowd. He sees the multitude of people and his heart is broken once he sees the people. He sees the people. His heart breaks and he begins to tell those present about a solution because he wanted to bring a solution to the hurting and harassed people of the world around him. And the solution was, I pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors into the harvest. The, the, there, there's the, the, the solution, the answer is not prayer. However, it's a part of making a doorway to open up the harvest field. 
So he says, therefore, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into the harvest. So he said, pray for the solution. The solution is there's, 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 we don't have enough workers. I know a missions organization right now that they need 100, I think it's in like 10 or 15 missionaries now. But the harvest, people don't want to, to, to be released. And everybody has a call, but everybody's called to go through their prayers or through their, through their money. And also people are called to go physically as well. And I think we're involved, we all need to be involved in the, the call of God upon our life. Not just to, you know, to go to say we went, but to go because it's amazing. I say every believer needs a passport. If you don't have a passport today and you're believing God to go somewhere that God's called you to go to, to the nations and, and to represent him, go get yourself a passport. Because when it comes time, you're like, oh, Lord, I thought you wanted me to go. He's like, yeah, I did, but you got, you got to get a passport. Believers get passports. Come on, somebody. Get yourself a passport and get ready to go so you can be in the flow. Amen? And I'm not trying to put on you a call that I have, but I'm trying to say that everybody needs to be part of sending people into the harvest. Prayer, giving, sure, and going. Pray, go, give. Come on, somebody. And everybody can be a part of that. You know, like for example, and I, I, I encourage you, you know, some people here that may be burdened with this, we're, this radio station that we're gonna be launching, we're gonna actually have people that we're gonna be receiving emails from a team that are gonna be praying in the Philippines as well as in Africa and also um, in the US that are gonna be praying for those specific prayer requests of those individuals. And I'd love for you to be a part of praying and believe in God and personally being a part of believing God for them to advance the kingdom of God. And it's an incredible opportunity. And even as the radio program is going on through our partner with Pastor Adams that's gonna be doing it, we're doing it together as a team. And I have other people that'll be involved in it. During that time, you can pray and we believe people are gonna be saved and healed and set free. Just like our sister right here in the back got healed over here. We felt like the Lord gave us a word about her knee. And... Um, and she, did, she, she doesn't have a walker right now. Isn't that right, Miss Gloria? Praise God. You know, those things happen every day. And it happens when people are sent to the right place on assignment from heaven to do what God's will is. And we want to be able to see what Jesus sees. And Jesus is always trying to cause us to see what he sees. Matter of fact, you can see in Luke 7, verse 36 through 50. Sorry, I'm all over in, you, in Luke. But you remember the, the woman that had a label on her life as a sinful woman. She had the alabaster jar. She had the, 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 the flask of perfume that she was known to be a sinner and she was labeled. And even the, the, the Pharisees that were in the room when she came were trying to shun her off and they were judging her. They were trying to say, but Jesus says, do you see this woman? He was trying in verse, you can see that in verse um, 12, he said, uh, excuse me, not in verse 12, but in verse 47, it says, when the woman, uh, I'm sorry, wow. <laughs> Luke 7, in verse 44, then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, which was a Pharisee, do you see this woman? 
I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. What was Jesus saying? See the people. Don't see the labels of sin. Don't see the sexual promiscuity that is involved in their life, their adultery, their fornication, their pornography issues, their sin issues, their drug issues. They're just issues. Don't see that before you see me. Because Jesus saw something that they didn't see. He saw the other side. See, he saw Mary. This was one of the Marys. There's about three or four. And I believe this is Mary Magdalene. She was one of the first people that Jesus appeared to. He did not see her in her sinful self. He saw her being there at resurrection. One of his most faithful and loyal partners in ministry. Some would say even to be a disciple of his. He saw her as a disciple when other people saw her as a sinner. And God wants to remove all labels that we put on people, Democrat, Republican, whether they're pro, pro-life or against, I'm pro-life. I'm, you know, I have my own political convictions, but I can tell you this, if your focus is on them and their sin, you can't reach them. I want to tell you this story. There once, this wasn't long ago, I heard this story from a, a friend of mine, I actually should have got you the video. But this, this, this pastor was in a convenience store and he started talking to this transgender dressed guy. And I believe, I may be wrong with the, the name, but he actually, his name, he, he called himself Dorothy. And as this pastor begins to minister to, uh, just talking to this, the Lord told him to be quiet. And he just started talking to him and started asking questions. The Lord prompted him and asked some questions, which, by the way, I think is a great way to, to share your faith with people is just to ask anointed questions, just like what Philip did in Acts 8. Um, anyhow, that's another story. But he's asking these questions, and all of a sudden this woman, I mean, this, this, this man that was dressed as a woman, started railing out all the hurt and all the pain that was going on in his in his life and how his family and how he hated God and, and how, you know, his mom, his, God was confused when he made him. He didn't make him correctly. And, and just all this venom just for, for, for minutes upon minutes upon minutes. And this guy was deeply hurt. You could hear the hurt in his voice. And this guy finally, the Lord let him say something and said, Is there anything that could happen to you that could cause your life, cause you to know that this God is real that I'm talking about? And he paused and he said, yeah, if it was a a clearly defined miracle and I could just witness it with my very own eyes, then I would believe. And he said, well, can I pray for you? He prayed for him that Jesus would reveal himself to him in that kind of way, to show him. And in the midst of that, he goes, ah, ah, ah. And he thought maybe, you know, the Lord's healing him of some pain or he didn't know what was going on. He's like, what's what's going on? He's like, 
he pulled up his, his name. Actually, let me tell you this. Before that, I forgot this important item. That during this process, the Lord said, does the name Greg mean anything to you? And he said, well, that's the name my parents gave me. The Lord supernaturally revealed this name that he was ostracized from. And he revealed that name to him. And then he went on about, you know, they got confused. That's when they talked about the confusion. And they, they you know, God didn't make me. And I know that hits people at different levels because people are dealing with all kinds of issues in our world. And while he's going back to why he's praying, he starts screaming, ah, this pain. He pulls up. His, his side where he's feeling the pain, which before I think it was Dorothy, his, 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 his name he gave himself, he pulls it up and there was a name that he had originally, he pulled it up and Greg was supernaturally put as a tattoo on his body. You don't tell me that God doesn't want to show himself strong to everybody. Nobody is too far gone for the power of God to break through in their lives. And I'm here to tell you, I've been blessed to be able to see people in my life. I remember years ago when I was working at a convenience store when I was in Bible school and this lady came in and I could see, I recognized her a little bit and I saw her and I thought to myself, something's going on with her. And I pulled her to the side. I said, what's going on? She began to tell the story about her husband and how that he was basically near death and he was in the hospital down the road and my heart broke and I guess it was that day or the next day and he was in ICU and not basically expected to live and I remember going in there that day with all my gospel six guns you know and the spirit of God just came in and moved and I prayed for him I mean, I was, it was such faith in my heart, I was surprised that he didn't get up and walk out with me. You know what I'm saying? I actually was mad because I'm like, why did he just walk out? I mean, the spirit of God, he's crying, I'm crying, God's reconciling, God's doing all kind of stuff and he's healing him. And I didn't understand why he didn't just get up and start running out. I went back a couple days later, found out that he'd been taken out of ICU and he was in a regular room and he was set to be discharged. And a few days later, I don't know, maybe a week or month, they, the family called me back, the mom that I saw that day and I prayed for, she wasn't even there, by the way, the day I prayed for, for him in the hospital, but she called maybe a month or two later and said to me, he, if, he, he's healed. There, he, God, God supernaturally healed him and God used you and all this. A year later, this woman called me back and said, listen, I want to just thank you for praying for my husband because if you'd not have gone by that day, he wouldn't be alive today. Thank you. And it was only because I saw this woman and God wants us. And I've had many of stories that I've missed it. I didn't see. I saw somebody. My heart was moved, but I was too busy and I was occupied or I was just distracted. But I don't want you to pass anybody by. I want you to see them. We need to see as Jesus sees so we can do as Jesus does. Amen? There's all kind. I remember this one time, this 
I was in a vitamin store of all places. And I don't know, I mean, I take vitamins, but not consistent. Uh, back then, I don't know what I was doing there. I think I was with my mom. I went to this, conven- this uh, vitamin store and I, I saw this lady and I could tell that she was in distress. And I, I, I thought at that time, maybe she struggled with depression. And so I didn't think about it at the time. I turned to walk away and I felt the Lord put in my heart that she's thinking about committing suicide. And you know, I don't go into a situation and say that. Please understand me. I don't go, are you, I don't blurt out stuff and be rude and say, hey, are you, are you about to commit suicide and uncover her and all? I don't do that because I do it with grace and love because I would want, God seeks to restore people. And so as I'm beginning to talk to her, as I go in, she begins to tell me that her husband had just died and she was thinking about killing herself. And I was able to minister to her. She's weeping in the vitamin store. She's one of the employees, mascara running down. God encountered her. I don't never know what happened to her, but I know that day God encountered her. We must see people. It wasn't too long ago where my son and I were trying, I had an air conditioned issue. Anybody ever had one of those? I'm telling you, if you have an air conditioned issue in, 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 in Florida or in South Georgia where I live, I mean, you, you, they better be over there quick. You know what I'm saying? Or you need to go to an air conditioner. We, we had the hurricane come through our area and, about, and it was as muggy and hot. We hadn't, didn't have electricity for three, four days, whatever. And I'm like, you know, who cares about the lights? Who cares about the water? Just give me an air condition, right? And so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and I call the number. I get my son actually to call the number of, of this place, this place called Waller heating and air to, to repair my air condition. And he dials the wrong number. And you know, you, after you call, call somebody, you, you're, you're kind of persuade them that it was the right number and, and, and they're persuading you it's not the right number. And, and then you realize you called the wrong number. You know, you're being humbled and all this at the, at the time. And, and so I'm, I start talking to this woman. I said, hey, I just, it wasn't like, you know, thus saith the Lord or God moved my heart or all of a sudden, you know, I just wanted to see, even though I couldn't see with my natural eyes, I wanted to see with my spirit. I said, hey, ma'am, is why I have you on the phone? Is there anything I'm praying pray for you about and she said yes matter of fact I have a tumor in my brain and I have not had headaches before until this day it's the first day I've had headaches and I began to talk to her and encourage her about Jesus being the healer and in the process of that conversation I felt like there was some major unforgiveness in her heart and I felt like it was toward her husband although I did not say that at the time because I, I, I could be wrong and I don't want to create problems that never existed. <laughs> and so I said, you know, I, I begin to ask in, in kind of a, a roundabout way and she began to tell me that there were divorce papers on her desk that she was about to sign because of what he had done. And I began to minister to her. She began to forgive her husband. Never met this lady in my life, but God saw her. And I'm grateful that he allowed me to be blessed, to be a part of that and bless it. She forgave her husband. I don't know what happened. 
But I know this, God saw her and he used my eyes to see what he saw and we need to see what he sees so we can do what he does. Jesus saw people and was moved with compassion and sought to position others to see through his eyes of compassion and be moved to act according to his love. In Luke 8, verse 47, and this is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. She had an issue of blood for 12 years. Obviously, she could not have uh, uh, children. Um, I'm sure she was labeled and rejected by, her society, by society because she went and spent everything she had because in those days, having a child was very, very, very important and not having children was, was, was terrible. And for 12 years, spent everything she had, but the Bible says when she heard that Jesus was passing by, she went and she touched the edge, the hem of his cloak, his garment, and Jesus said, with everybody pounding him around, the crowd looks back and said, who, who touched me? Because he, he said, I perceive that power has gone out of me. And then this is what the scripture says in verse 47. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of everybody, the people, why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Wow, what a story. But here's what was powerful when the woman saw she was not hidden. I'm telling you, that woman thought she was hidden. But once the day comes in somebody's life that they realize that they are no longer hidden from the Lord through your hands, through your eyes, through your spirit, through you, when people begin to see you, they actually begin to see him. And when they see the Lord, they will know the Lord doesn't hide anything. He sees everything. They are no longer hidden. You are no longer hidden. You are seen. This generation needs to know that they are seen by the Lord, that the Lord sees them and they are not hidden. They are not hidden. There's so many people that everything they're doing is screaming out their sinful acts. They're screaming out with all these things on the inside of them and they're just wanting somebody to notice them, to give them some attention. And I believe the attention that they need is the attention that a believer can give them and tell them they're valuable. They're not hidden. They've been bought with a price that God wants to adopt them into the royal family that no matter what they've done ever, murder, rape, whatever it might be, that God is able to forgive them, set them free and change their life. See, there's something that Jesus sees that we often don't see. And here's the reality of the whole situation with, 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 with being able to not, to, to be hidden. 
God wants them to know that somebody cares about them. You say, well, that's so fundamental, brother. Brother, that's just so fundamental. That's so elementary. Brother, what are you talking about? I mean, I know that. But do you know that? Do you know that you are here as a representative of the king and his kingdom to represent him and to bring his glory, Miss Gloria, into the world that he has assigned you? That that is you called forth out of the darkness and into his marvelous light to reveal his kingdom in the earth in which you've been surrounded by. Listen, my heart and my passion is that we live in God's heart and his passion is that we live a life that sees people in their brokenness and we move beyond a place of judgment and into a place of mercy and grace. I'm not saying today, don't confuse me with somebody that says you're not supposed to speak the truth in love. Absolutely. But if you don't know a person, if you don't have a relationship with them, if your objective is to tell them they're wrong and their sin, then the, the motive is wrong. The motive has to be to restore. The motive has to be like a father with a son, like the parable, the, 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 the lost, the lost, thank you. See, I'll see if y'all pay attention. That was so good. The lost, the lost son, he, he, he runs to them. He runs to them risking everything and the prodigal the father of the prodigal son that was away he risked in that culture his life and the life of his son so they wouldn't kill his son as he comes back he risked their life to go rescue him and run to him and that's what God does he runs to you he runs to people he doesn't run away from their sin he runs to them and he sees that God is able to do beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. And here's just a few things I want to share with you to get some soap on your eyes, S-O-A-P, and to cause you to be able to see what Jesus sees. And number one is this, surrender. If we're going to see as Jesus sees, we have to, and do as Jesus does, then we must surrender all. Not just once, but it has to be a life of surrender. <laughs> I know what just happened. The, the, it has to be a life of surrender, right? A life. But you must surrender in order to live surrendered. That time when you gave your life to Jesus, and hopefully you've done that, where you've given your life to Jesus, and if you hadn't, we'd love to pray with you to surrender everything to Jesus, the one that created you. And when you surrender to Jesus Christ and you give your life to him, it's the doorway to a lifestyle of surrender. You have to continue to live on the altar. So soap, if we're going to see as Jesus sees, we have to get some soap to clear off our eyes so that we can be moved with compassion as God has called us to live with compassion. Amen? Galatians 2.20, for I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't live my own life anymore. I give my life away. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And Jesus, when he's everything, I'm telling you what, it's the life 
of adventure. It's a life of fulfillment. It's a life of passionate purpose being released in your life. Jesus lived surrendered to his Father's will so we could see people through the eyes of love and not judgment. God wants us to see people not according to their history, but according to their destiny. God wants us to see people not according to their history, but according to their destiny. And when you see somebody like Jesus sees them, everything changes. When you look into the life of Jesus, here's what Jesus sees. Jesus sees them not hidden anymore. And truly, what God sees on the other side is he sees them sitting at his feet. Like Mary, sitting at his feet. He doesn't see the sinner. And, 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 and remember the story of the deranged, I mean, I hate to say it, but just the, the demon-possessed man that had so much demons that called him legion, which meant many, had many demons. And in this story, the demon-possessed man was labeled as an outcast to society, and he was restricted to his own, his own basically insane asylum. He was chained. You can look at this in uh, Luke 8, 27. And when Jesus stepped ashore, he met this demon-possessed man from the town. For, for a long time, this man had worn clothes or lived in a house, but, but had lived in tombs. Tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and he fell and he thought that he was there to torture him, which was, a lot, which was a lie that somebody told him along the way. For Jesus commanded the impure spirit to come out of him and that's where it went into the pigs. Sorry, but I'd love to be there that day. With, you know, anyhow, sorry. And then they went off the cliff. That would have been an interesting day. But anyhow, he was known to have his, to, to, to be in chains in a sane asylum type place. And Jesus came to him and called the demon out, commanded him to be, he, to, to be delivered of these demons. And how Jesus got, how, I mean, think about it. How did Jesus go into this hostile, life-threatening situation and not be moved? Because of verse 35. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had come out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed in his right mind, and they were not afraid. The reason why Jesus was able to not be moved by the, the craziness and the demon possession of, of the day and just the, the outside of the box, just craziness that nobody would go into that region was because he saw him at his feet. And when you see somebody at the feet of Jesus, it will cause you to be able to reach people right where they are at. So number one is to surrender. Surrender all. If we're going to be people that can see as Jesus sees, we need to surrender. S-O-A-P, right? Soap. Surrender. O is we have to obey regardless of logic. We have to obey even when it doesn't make sense. You know the scripture. It's your favorite scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. 
So that means if you lean on your understanding, you will fall. But if you lean on him, you will stand. But if you lean on your logic and say, well, God, help me to understand. In America, I find this different in other countries I serve. But in America, I find that a lot of people are trying to get understanding before they obey. But however, and I fall into that at times as well. But in other countries, when Jesus tells people to do something, they don't think about it. They're just going to be about it. And that's why we see results in the kingdom where the kingdom of God is advancing at rapid rates is because they choose to obey even if they don't understand. You're not going to understand it. But when you step out and do what God has called you to do, you will get the results of Jesus and people will be blessed and you will be blessed. But you do it because it's a blessing unto the Lord to obey. What an honor to bless Others, to be a blessing. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm blessed and highly flavored. Come on, somebody. Because I'm the salt of the earth. Come on. We're favored and flavored. Can I get a yes? We obey regardless of logic. And in the world we live, in the culture we live, distractions have become normal in our culture. And I have found myself, unfortunately, too many times try, looking back and thinking, oh my gosh, I got distracted with what I was supposed to be doing. And I actually didn't even do what I was supposed to be doing. The distraction began to be the main thing rather than God being the fixation of what I need to do, right? So don't be distracted in the culture. Take your phone away. Put it on airplane mode. Whatever it takes in order to be able to not be distracted. We need to be a people that are focused in on what God says and we're not so busy doing things that we want to do, but we're busy doing the things of the kingdom. And they say, if you know, the devil can't make you bad, he can make you busy. Because the truth is, is that we, when you become busy, it inoculates you to the reality that that is sin as well. When we're occupied with other things that aren't Jesus things, then we get uh, uh, inoculated. But God wants us to be a people that are not distracted regardless of the culture we live and we live and bring kingdom culture. So if, if, you're, if, you, if we are going to see Jesus, what Jesus see and be moved with compassion like Jesus was, moved with compassion, we have to, and I said this earlier, we must remove all labels. All labels and see people according to their destiny, not according to their history. And that little acronym is all, all labels. There's labels that people have put on you all your life. And I believe the Lord wants to take those labels off. The world has put labels on you to say you're stupid. The, the world has put labels on you that says you don't have enough. You're not, you can't do enough. The, 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 the world puts labels on you like you're sick, you're divorced, you're separated, you're unworthy, you're ugly. There's all kind of words that the enemy plays and you must rip off. You must allow the spirit of God to take off all those labels and put his stamp sealed on you as blood bought, purchased by the blood of Jesus and word to be called a son and a daughter of the king. And when the labels are removed, then the glory of God can cause us to release who Jesus is in our world. See beyond the labels. When we see through the eyes of Jesus and his love, our hearts will break for the people we see and we will bring God's heart and a solution his way. 
When we see like Jesus, we don't see the sin labels, we see the person. When we never see what Jesus sees, and when we're not moved with what Jesus is moved to action, when we don't see labels, homosexual, transgender, Democrat, Republican, whichever side you go on, pro-life, no, no life, whatever, this Alabama fan, Georgia fan, whatever label you might put on yourself, that might put on you, through the blood of Jesus, he's able to remove all labels and put his stamp and his blood and his seal upon your life and causes everything to change. I remember when I was in the Philippines not too long ago and we were in this village where there had never been uh, what they told me an evangelistic campaign at that time and I was preaching the gospel and the Lord gave me this word of knowledge about somebody's hand or arm and I didn't think anything of it just you know want to obey and the Lord ministered to this guy and God took all the pain away come come to, to find out the man is a Muslim man. And God revealed himself to him. God didn't care about the labels, why should I? I was in a restaurant in, a, the, uh, in Zanzibar, which is a place I go, it's 98% Muslim, and I started ministering to this guy. I just felt like the Lord was saying something about his family. And then for some peculiar reason, and I finagled around in there, I didn't just come out and blame God for something I said, thus saith the Lord was. I try to, you know what I mean, try to make sure that I'm in the flow of what God has. And so I ended up talking to this guy. And while I'm talking to this guy, I felt like the Lord saying, something's going on with his family. There's deep distress. And I begin to, the Lord began to reveal about pain that his sister had in his body, her body. Come to find out she was sent to some Middle Eastern country, had been beat and, and returned back. And there was major conflict in their home. And we asked him, we pray for him. And when we prayed for him, he left. We said, as, as he left, and he, he left. And he came back, and it was like his, he, he couldn't believe what was happening to him. And he was aware that the presence of God had come to visit him. And he said, he didn't even understand what it was, and we had to explain it was Jesus. Because a lot of people that we ministered to that had never heard the gospel before. And so God didn't, that man was a Muslim man. And God touched his life. No labels. Don't look to the exterior. Look to what God sees and Jesus will reveal himself. And the last one is this. Is becoming people that pursue his presence will cause dirty labels from our eyes to be washed away. Dirty labels with that soap, surrender, obey even if it doesn't make sense, all the labels being removed and being a people of his presence will cause us to wipe the dirty labels away and cause us to, to release the love of Jesus in a way that will present him in the earth. When we're presence people, we release power over people. We release love. When we're, what changed in my life was when I, pers when I was pursuing the Lord, pursuing his presence,
and allowing my, when I'm in the presence of God, it causes me to not be intimidated by man. And it calls me to be able to see myself through the way that Jesus sees me, not the way even that other people see me. Because God sees me far differently than the way and, than I see myself. And it causes me to get this identity that's outside of me. It causes me to see like Jesus sees me. It breaks my heart. I see myself as forgiven much so I can love much. I see myself as redeemed. And I believe today that God wants to take off the labels that you put on yourself and the world has put on you as well because when, when the labels are removed over your life, you can be one that sees other people like Jesus sees them. Amen? And he wants to rip off those labels and also I believe that he wants you to call, he wants you to encounter him in such a way that you're able to see others beyond the trauma of the things that maybe that have even happened to you. You know, we can have knee-jerk reactions when something bad has happened to us. And we begin to overcompensate and say, I'm never going to allow somebody to do that to me. Therefore, we never love with his love in that particular area. If we've been cheated on, if we've been lied to, if we've been stolen from, we say, I'm never going to allow anybody to do that again. You get this safeguard on your heart, but it keeps you from believing, releasing the love of God. But you must, through the doorway of forgiveness, begin to allow him to set you free. Amen? Would you stand on your feet? Thank you, Father. You, thank you, brother. Just close your eyes just for a moment. We just want to trust the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. Thank you, Father. Thank you for every person, God, under the sound of my voice, God. Thank you that what you started in them, you will complete. God, I pray that you would help them to see that you see them. I feel like there's somebody in this room that you've been overwhelmed with circumstances that are outside of your control and you are trying to right now control them and bring them back in a good heart. But I just believe the Lord wants you to know it's time to let go. It's time to let go and know that you prayed, you believed, you trusted. So allow him to do exactly what he wants to do. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Ask you to touch that person. For those in distress, for those in this room that suffer from a label of bipolar, depression, sickness. Holy Spirit, let them not see themselves through the lens of their own mistakes or their own challenges that are outside of them that they didn't cause, but because of the fallen world they live, they've, had to, they've experienced some things. And God, I ask you to show your glory to them. Holy Spirit, Come on, just lift up your hands. Oh, Father, we love you. Father, let this moment not pass. Hmm. 
Thank you, Father. Come on, let's just get our eyes on Jesus. Come on, just look to Jesus right now. Come on, look to Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. We bless you. Come on, just look to him. Come on, worship him. Come on, we want him to do what he wants to do. Come on, be praying for your neighbor. Be praying for those around you. Come on, right now, just begin to release that prayer that God's putting in your heart for the person next to you, the person in this room or outside of this room. Thank you, Father. Oh, we bless you. I just felt like the Lord said, and I want you to keep your eyes closed right now, that there's somebody here that you have, like, it's like inner pain in your, in your eyes, like the back part. It's like shooting nerve pain that goes right back in the back. Who is that person? Just lift up your hand. Wave it at me if that's you. You got inner eye pain right behind your eyes. It just really hurts. Anybody here? Anybody here? Anybody? Anybody? Thank you, Father. Come on. What, is there somebody over there? Okay. I can't see them, but praise the Lord. Somebody's pointing them out. Mm, thank you, Lord. There's, there's also, I, I heard the word kneecap. Like your kneecap is like moved from one side to the other, and it constantly is, I don't know how to describe it, but it's, it's like going back and forth all the time, and it's causing instability and even uh, just for you to, for it to lock up. That's just what I'm hearing. It may just be me. But um, is there anybody here that's, that's happening right now or that, that's going through that? Just wave at me if that's you. Anybody here? Anybody here? Just wave at me. Or maybe it's sometimes it can be somebody that you directly know or, you know, that's right next to you or maybe that's not here. Just wave at me if you know that the Lord's talking to you. Amen. Pray for you. Mm. There's, there's somebody that's, when, when we pray for that brother, uh, I believe it was a brother that had the, the, the issue at the beginning. We just release our faith to bring healing in his life. But there's, there's, some, there's some intestinal stomach, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, it's like, it's similar to what this man has with its, it's like a bent intestine. It's, what do you call that? I don't even, I'm not a doctor, I don't know. But it's not good and it doesn't feel good. There's lots of pain and it's limiting um, uh, the right chemicals to be throwing th flowing through your body and it's causing pain. Is that you? Hey. Hallelujah. So if, if you, if we called that out, would you just come? Those that we just called those a few things. Come on, just act like this is somebody that, this is your personal friend. There's also always a lot of joint pain. I'm praying for joint pain in this room. I know we all get older and we have joint pain, but I'm talking knobbing, throbbing pain that keeps you from standing, keeps you from stretching. Joint pain, we're believing for Jesus to say, if that's you, just come quickly. We're just gonna believe. I don't have to know what it is that you have. Um, my sister Gloria with her knee that got, got healed, that pain that was taken away. We're just believing for that. You know, God is the, is the great physician. I can't heal a flea, but I know Jesus is a great physician. And I do know that it's his will to heal. And if your faith right now is today, you have, maybe we didn't call out your specific thing or whatever. If you have something you're believing for, your faith is to believe, to receive your healing today, I wanna to pray for you as well. Would you come quickly? Would you come quickly? Come quickly. Thank you, Father. 
Hallelujah. We bless you, Jesus. And as we, as we pray, I want the body of Christ in this room to get ready to receive. Jesus. Come on. Put your hands open like this because you're receiving from Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to heal. 